Welcome, my brothers and sisters. I love you. It's good to be with you. I'm going to talk about how to stay out of hell, an incredible experience that I recently had at the end of the tomb of Jesus, and service to the poor and what the poor even means and misperceptions we have about them and how to dive into that and change the world. That's a lot for one episode. Thanks for being with me. I had the most incredible experience recently in the Holy Land. I lead a yearly pilgrimage to the Holy Land. By the way, go to reallifecatholic.com and click on the pilgrimages tab. You'll see I have a, a, a pilgrimage coming up for couples in Punta Cana. I don't know if you call that a pilgrimage, but it's, it's holy. It's to celebrate your marriage and grow in your marriage together with a chapel and daily mass and all that stuff. Uh, but every year I lead a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. That's all on there as well. I'd be honored to take you with me. Uh, guys, going there... It, it, for me, it's shifted the faith from the imagination part of my brain to the tangible part of my brain. It's incredible. You know, not that I, I've thought faith is imaginary. It's all real. But there's something about it that's fairy ish till you see the places where he walked. And one of my favorite sites is the site of the Annunciation, where Mary received Gabriel's greeting. And there's an altar there. It says, the word was made flesh here. Dude, totally mind-blowing. But anyway, toward the end of my pilgrimage, uh, they shut the tomb down. So you can go into the empty tomb of Jesus. They closed it for renovations, which is a very rare occurrence. Uh, but it chased all the crowds away. And me and my wife were there. Most of our pilgrims had gone home. And we just sat down, and it was like a rare moment of silence there. Because about four million pilgrims a year come through the, the Holy Sepulchre, the place where Jesus was buried. And we know with... 99.9% .9 archaeological certainty that this is the spot. Uh, wow. And you could go into this room where there's the slabs of the original tomb and just lay on it for a second. You rest your head on there and pray. It's incredible. But the pilgrims have gone. So we lean our, our, our back on this little chapel within the big church that they call the Edicule. It's a, it's, it houses the inner room of the empty tomb. By the way, it's still empty. Hallelujah. And we're just sitting there leaning like casually in silence, and I'm just holding her hand, and we're just sitting there for about a half hour just praying, and <laughs> eventually overcome by just laughter and tears. Both of us were just thinking like, wow, everything that I celebrate and believe and all the source of all the hope that I have and, and the, the conquering of death, the forgiveness of my sins, the transformation of my life, yeah, just right on the side of this wall. That's where it all happened. And, and the most mind-blowing part of, of that and of the Holy Land in general and of our faith is how scandalously approachable it all is. You know, one, one of the most mind-blowing parts of going to the Holy Land is how non-mind-blowing it feels sometimes. You expect, like, God, maker of the universe, walked here. I should be on my, on my hands and, uh, you know, on my knees and, and hands going through these places, kissing the ground. But it, it, it just feels like... <clears throat> Here's a person I've known and received in communion a million times, and he's saying, hey, come to the place I grew up. Come see. With this incredible familiarity, that's the faith. Infinite mysteries made totally accessible. Hallelujah. I had to kick it off with that. Blake, thanks for hey, being with me, man. Absolutely. And, and we'll get to the thing about how to stay out of hell in a minute with Blake. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I wasn't pressed us, for that. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Blake Bruyette. How do you spell that, by the way? It's oh, not... it's French, man. The it's, French have it, a different spelling for everything. They do. They do. 
half it's the like, family pronounces it Bruyette, the other half Bruliet. It's it's all across okay. the board. And it causes phonetically wars have been fought over. Yeah, this thing. exactly. Um, he's the he's the uh, the director of an incredible ministry called Christ in the City. So I want to dive into you, into your story, yeah. into what led you to Christ in the City, and and then into what it means to serve the poor, what it does for our souls, yeah. how to do it, all that and more. Uh, but first, what what got you into the faith? You're not the average guy. How old are you, by the way? Uh, 30. Okay. 30 years old, giving yourself to full-time ministry. What happened? Yeah, great question. What made you so strange? You yeah, no, this? so strange. Like, well, you should be living for money and smoking weed and, you know, partying. And here you are, and right? I was ready for that. For, for, the, for the record, but yeah. Yeah, no, and I was ready for that uh, life, unfortunately, and kind of led me to Christ in the City, as you and I have discussed before. I was a sophomore in college and, you know, got in trouble in my dorm and needed a little community service hours. And thankfully, the Catholic school education I had, the Catholic family. What school were you at? Uh, Hastings Catholic School, St. Cecilia, awesome. uh, South Central Nebraska. They're but the in Lincoln. trouble in your dorm, what college were you at? Uh, University of Nebraska, Kearney. So okay. one of the university systems and... So you got in trouble at a secular school. Oh, yeah. So you're going, yeah, this is... Oh, yeah, uh, in a fraternity. And, you know, it was one of those pivotal moments I was... Studying biology, health sciences, had my entire career as a doctor planned out, my life. It was, it was an awesome dream, by the way. It was a great, great life I'd planned out. Uh, and just got in trouble, and it really caused me to rethink everything. And also rethink this mass I go to every Sunday, this rosary I try to keep in my pocket and pray every day. Like, I'm not living that. Mm -hmm. And I went to a conference, one of the SEEK conferences, and... Okay, real quick, SEEK is a, is a yes, national sorry. conference. For uh, Fellowship of Catholic University students, yep. so, so what Google these Seek huge conference, conferences, and it was like the faith is tangible. Mm. And I got back to college, and I was a college pole vaulter, so throwing my body high in the air. And it was during track season, and I needed 40 community service hours. And a buddy of mine uh, in college, we just realized like we needed to do something over spring break other than go to. Padre Island and lose our souls. Mm. And we heard about this little mission trip to Colorado uh, for 120 bucks, I think, where we could go see the mountains, you know, change the poor's life, really make an impact on the world. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I would get a lot of good resume building experience for that pre-med yeah. degree. Wow. And I came on this mission trip and, you know, it's, it's not a wrong inclination, but just an immature understanding that I was going to go and change the poor's life. Right, that they needed some. They needed clothes because they were naked. They needed shelter because they didn't have a place to live. They needed food because they were hungry. And what I found was they knew the resources better than me, the tourist missionary, could ever understand and grasp. They knew exactly where to go. Yet they were out there. And the most shocking thing of it all was they weren't so different from me. Right, and they they had moms and dads and brothers and sisters. They had hobbies, occupations, loved ones in their life. And the thing that shocked me the most though was the group of people who were serving them. Christ in the city missionaries who just radiated this joy in a midst of suffering that is real. The suffering on the streets, some of the worst, some of the loneliest in humanity. And it caused me to dive into this of like, why are these missionaries so happy? And why do they elicit this happiness in the poor? Wow. Right? And in so the you see a joy in the poor. Oh, that, that just came out when they saw their missionary friends. The missionaries call the homeless friends, 
the homeless, call the missionaries friends, and I saw it. And I saw this missionary community serving the poor out of their friendships with their community. And I noticed the homeless, there really was not a difference between them and myself, them and my fraternity brothers, them and those fellow people and lost college students or lost friends or family who were lonely. And this loneliness, this poverty of loneliness mm. was at the core of that mission trip for me. And I went back to college just on fire for community, wow. realizing that to be a Christian, I needed community first and foremost. So it, it brought it, looking at them made you aware of your own spiritual poverty. Absolutely. And what Absolutely. Especially because they had things I had too. They had an option for shelter if they wanted it. They had food if they wanted it. Mm. But it wasn't that that was preventing them from being on the streets. You know, over my time as a missionary, I met architects. I met former CEOs. I met millionaires. I met poor people from, you know, drug dealing families, the entire gamut. Yet all of them had that same commonality, that same commonality that I experienced when I was making those decisions in college or confused about what was going on. And, you know, I came to Christ in the city after my missionary years were over and uh, ended up short stories, ended up discerning with the religious community, discerned out. I like to say God kicked yeah. me out in a great way. Yeah. Uh, got married, had our first son a little over a year ago Ooh. and still with Christ in the city eight years later. Wow, praise yeah. God. Okay, you referenced Matthew 25. Yes. When I was naked, you gave me something to wear. Yeah. Um, there's something salvific about serving the poor. Oh, yes. And, and this is what I, I, I teased out a little in the intro. Yeah, right? How to stay out of hell. Uh, Jesus is pretty clear about this. If you don't do anything for the people who are in need around yeah. you, you will go to hell. I, I mean, don't kill the messenger. That sounds yeah. really harsh, right? But that's how Archbishop Shapiro always summed oh, it up. Oh, and so many people still quote that. We yeah. hear that all the time from those who heard him say that. Yeah, I mean, he, more than anything else, when he talked about final judgment, he didn't talk about your devotions and everything. Not, not that that's unimportant. No, very important. It's super important. But he talked, he just drilled this home in his longest discourse about final judgment. I am the people in need that you ignored. Yeah. And if you have a soul that's about to enter heaven, uh, it's going to be a soul that's aware of the needs of people around you. If you're totally closed to that, callous to that, how could you possibly yeah. enter the communion of saints uh, by the blood of Jesus? He saves us. There's this mystical uh, yes. you know, overlap of, of how it transforms us and how he, he does the yeah. work for us. But um, it's, it's, it's saving. It's salvific, uh, not just uh, in that, that sense of we're going to see the poor at our judgment, standing with our Lord, mm -hmm. and did we do anything to help? But also, as you as you experienced, it wakes you up, it jolts you out yeah. of the. You, you, this changed your priorities, man. Oh, completely. Like you, you wanted to get a lot of money, like right. Being a doctor is great, but you, yeah. if you wanted to do it just for the money, you're I, a different guy. I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted a good life, and I wanted to help people. Right? I wanted to help people in need. And what is shocking to me is. Just the way the Lord has answered that prayer, even though I didn't even know it was a prayer. Mm. And now at Christ in the city. And, and you say Archbishop Chaput's quote, and it's, it's jarring. I think it it's is. healthy how jarring it is. Yeah. And I think we must go back to, though, of who are the poor, right? Because it's so easy. The poor on the streets, I dare I say they're such a gift because they don't have walls. They don't mm. have, they're not hidden behind clothes, money, possessions, success, achievements, they're, they're not flaunting their achievements when they're on the streets. They are beggars. And that allows us an insight into their life. 
an insight into their poverty. Now, Archbishop Chaput, all sorts of you know, amazing saints like John Paul the Great, in one of his encyclicals, he talks about missionary activity is not limited to anyone, any diocese, any parish. Everyone is called to be a missionary. Mm. Well, that begs the question of, well, then how can someone in rural America, how can someone in a deserted place serve the poor? And that's where we see the spiritually versus the materially poor, right? Even the homeless we serve on the streets, thanks be to God, we are providing a lot of the basic necessities and it is essential as a church, as a society, we do that. At the same time, we must not neglect that spiritual poverty, which the face of Christ in the poor on the streets is the same face of Christ in the poor in society Mm -hmm. and in the suburbs and in our families. And in your your sibling who wants your attention and your yes, and your children and and, and, uh, and some people would hear that though and say, well, therefore I'm serving the poor, I'm good. Yes. Uh, I would say, no, no. No, you, no, you we would say serve, the same thing. Yeah, you you got, right? No, no, no. You gotta serve the material. That might mean you go and do it in a hands-on way or it might mean you're donating yeah. to organizations like Christ in the City, ChristInTheCity.com. Amen. Is, is that the website? ChristInTheCity.org. Dot org, incredible work to donate to. Uh, but yeah, I donate to several things that support the materially poor because um, it keeps me, I don't know, Keeps you honest. It's, it it keeps you honest with your money too. It does. It keeps the priorities all straight. Oh yeah. Uh, we talk about the poor and the homeless, and for a lot of people, they're they're just kind of a nameless, faceless the poor. Completely. I love your practice, and it, it's not unintentional. Everybody I've met who works in Christ in the City calls them my friends, and calls them by name. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit, and and you know why? Why yeah. is that so important? And, and who are these people? Yeah, so a little bit about Christ in the City. We bring in young adult volunteers. We bring in young adult missionaries. We call them for a year. We have 47 this year. They just ended their year. We'll bring in a little around 50 next year. And then we train and equip several thousand volunteers a year in both Denver and Philadelphia and around the country because, again, it doesn't matter where you're from. We're called oh, to serve the poor. It's awesome. And when we go out, we are the, like the ultimate middleman, complementing all the wonderful resources. And what we're there to do is meet that spiritual poverty. Mm. And to meet that spiritual poverty, we must encounter the person in front of us. And an encounter is not just me getting to know you, right? It's me coming up, not saying, imagine if I was to say, hi, what's your name? No, I'm not going to share my name. Um, I want to know everything about you. I want to mm. help you but I don't want to give you any window or insight into my life. That is sterile. Oh, yeah. It sounds horrible as I say that out loud. It's repulsive. Yet when we serve the poor, we must keep that in mind too. So when our missionaries go out to have an encounter, an encounter is building friendship like our Lord Jesus Christ Mm. did. He could have just monologued and said, this is who I am, this is what I do, you know, but look at the road to Emmaus. Look at his words. He Mm. wanted to hear from his people. And, and when we meet the, the poor, when we encounter the poor, we share a little bit of ourselves too. Mm. And friendship can come from that. And we obviously know sometimes that could be limited by maybe the poor's capacity to have a friendship. But many of the poor we meet say, you are the first friend I've ever had. Or wow. I, for the first time in my life, understand friendship. That is a common thing, our missionaries and volunteers here. Wow. Ever since experiencing you guys, and I love the, uh, if you Google uh, Am- on Amazon Prime, I think it is, or however you yeah. consume your media, 
And no, I'm not saying Amazon's the best company ever. I'm just saying this is an outlet, one of yes. the few places where you could show these things. And on EWTN, uh, created a show called Real Life Catholic. And if you Google um, Christ in the City, Real Life Catholic, Chris Stefanik, you'll be able to see it. Uh, but ever since doing that episode yeah. in the freezing cold. Oh, so people have no idea how cold it was yeah, that, that day. That was brutal. Yeah, brutal. Um, I... I, I never just give a, a breakfast bar. We carry little baggies to yeah. give out from my car. My kids are so excited to give it out. We always ask, hey, yeah, I'm Chris, what's your name? Yeah. You know, and shake hands if we can. Um, because I think that one of the biggest pains is, is, is feeling invisible, right? Yes. It's, it's, uh, and it, it's rehabilitating to say, I have a friend. Totally. I have a friend out there in the world. That's what brings people back. Yeah, and you see these, these poor at the stoplight. We'll take that as an example. And yeah. I find it fun, too, because... The kids get way more excited than the parents to roll down that window. Oh, right? Right. When, when I talk to parents, the amount of relationships that have started with the poor on the corner because of children. <laughs> I don't know. What a reflection in and of yeah. itself. But, you know, we've had friends recently tell us that they haven't heard their name in months. Months. Their own name. That's hard to count. We had man. another person in Philadelphia just tell us, I think it was five weeks since they had a conversation. Right? And they're in the oh. middle of the city. So when you roll down that window and say your name, you know, even ask the question where it may be not the answer that's pleasant, but how's your day going or, you know, anything good happened to you today? It's those kind of things. It's it's humanizing, right? It's seeing the face of Christ in that person. And we love to say, uh, you know, the poor are not a problem to be fixed, but a person to be encountered. Mm -hmm. Right. And it just... If I can remember one thing right at that stoplight every time I pull up, it's like this is not a problem to be fixed. This is a person to be encountered. Why are they homeless? Why oh. are they choosing not to go to shelters? Some people think, yeah. see the homeless and presume there's no shelters. No, there's a lot of shelters. Um, yeah, and a lot of people, it, it, without answers to those questions, would hear us talking and think, I'd never roll the window down. It's too yeah. scary. They're scary. Yeah. The unknown is, a, is a, fear, a source of fear. Yeah. You know them, and you've yeah. studied them. So why are most of them homeless? Are, are most of them drug addicts? Are most of them have? Um, uh, are most of them dangerous and violent? Yeah. Are most of them have uh, mental issues? What, what is why? why There's no cookie cutter answer as one can imagine, right? I think it's so easy to say black and white answers. This is why the poor are poor. This is why they aren't poor. You know, this is the one silver bullet that can solve homelessness. All those other ideas are dumb. No, it's the reality is is it's broken humanity. Right? A rupture of relationships is the root cause of homelessness. Mm. Now, how does that play itself out? Well, another fact and understanding to know, it, it won't be an exact quote here, but a good majority of the poor, the homeless, get off the streets within a year. Really? That's the 90%-ish. Okay. We call those the just the homeless. So something bad happened. They didn't something have a, bad a, happened. Maybe that was economic, tonight. job, divorce, you know, injury. You, we don't know, right? Yeah. Well, we do know, but it's one of those things. And those are the ones that take the resources available, and there are plenty for them. That 10-ish percent, that's the percent that is expected to die on the streets. The mm-hmm. cities, the government, society writes them off as the service-resistant. Those are who we think of when we think of homeless usually, right? That stereotypical man on the street corner, right? And of course, there's no stereotype because that's a soul, right? There's a unique glimpse of God in that person. Mm. And that 10%-ish, we'll say, that is where we see a lot of addiction, a lot of mental health. Mm. But across the board, all 100%, comes down to a rupture of relationships, fallen humanity, 
And the reality is, is the resources must be available. It's, it's works of mercy, right? There's a reason it's works of mercy and everyone, as Archbishop Chaput says, is called to serve them. But at the same time, we're called to encounter. And our missionaries, our mission when we go to the streets is to encounter them, start healing and reconciling mm. that rupture of relationships in whatever capacity it may be. And then we used to, you know, when I was a missionary, to answer your, your point that I think a lot of people say, well, they said they're choosing to be homeless, mm. right? And I like to say no third grader on their, you know, quiz in class is like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. I want to be homeless, right? right. And, when, and when someone's maybe under a bridge or saying that to themselves, sometimes they're probably convinced of that mm. because healing or reconciling mm. those relationships or making the steps to get off the streets is daunting and scary and to do it by yourself may just be too much for one person. Mm. So are they lying? I don't, I don't think so. I think many of them believe it, but it's because something happened, right? What's what six, happened? What's a success story look like for you? You know, I'm gonna use um, our dear friend Trish. I met Trish seven years ago on the streets. Yeah. Uh, Trish has struggled with addiction her entire life you know, been homeless on and off since her teens. Uh, and Trish was a success story for us because she knew she was loved. First and foremost, we, you know, the, the anchors of success, we knew them, we, we, I knew her, I loved her and I served her. And it wasn't just me, it was the entire missionary organization mm. and our volunteers. And with that, Trish slowly began to believe in herself again, realize that she has this higher calling to be a mother Mm. right, to her son and daughter, to be that grandmother, to live and provide. And, you know, again, that was success, right? She knew we mm. loved her Beautiful. and we were her friends. And then recently she got off the streets. Praise God. And when she was finally ready for housing, if you had told me seven years ago this woman was going to get off the streets, I would have probably been highly doubtful and it was probably to protect myself because I loved her so much and just didn't see it happening. Mm. But... The moment she was ready, we were ready. Did I meet Trish? I think you did. Yeah, she says, I'm kind of remembering a Trish. Yeah. Uh, what's a painful story look like for you? Because you see people. Oh, my goodness, so many. You know, we. Yeah, this has been a really challenging year and a year of suffering, right? A year yeah. of grief for our missionaries. We had in this past, you know, missionary class, I think nine deaths alone in Denver. Wow. And we saw some friends of nine years of Christ in the City from, or 11 years, year two of the program. Wow. have been a part of the Christ in the City family pass away suddenly. To some of these new friends we had where things were looking so hopeful and pass away, whether from, you know, an unexpected murder or an overdose or these things. And it's one where... So there, there's frequent killings of, uh, when they're sleeping under bridges? Not too frequent, but it happens, mm. right? It's not an everyday, every week thing, but it happens. And, mm. you know, what is success in those moments? Right? They died on the streets. Yeah. Some of our friends died this year housed and they knew they were loved and we are helping with their funerals and mm. so present there. But I still think we have the audacity to say that just because one of our friends dies on the streets, it was a success because they knew time and time again and they reaffirmed this, that we loved them. Mm. Right? And in our modern day success, right? The poor, not a problem to be fixed, but a person to be encountered. Mm. Like that is a hard metric. Brother, it takes serious faith. Yes. You know, and this is why you find it's only people of serious faith who are in the places you're in. I mean, there, there are purely secular 
organizations that serve people who are in need, right? But yeah. I, I, um, I remember I met the, the governor, uh, it was a mayor of Denver, and he said, the, there's the only people I see in the places no one else will go are you Catholics. Really? Yeah. What a testament. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like you, we're there. I mean, and, and that's true globally. Yeah. You go to Haiti, and the worst situation you're gonna you're gonna find, it's gonna probably be a Catholic religious, a, yeah. a nun, a priest who's like right there, and not just breezing through. No, they're there to stay. They're there. <laughs> they're yeah. there. Because without faith, it's just you 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 sit in that mess with humanity for mm -hmm. ten minutes. You just want to die. It's too overwhelming because it's too hopeless. Yeah. Right. Because without eyes to see, mm. th without eternal life as our hope. These right. situations are, I mean, they, they are the, gr just, you cannot, I can't even find words to describe how horrific they are, but they would even be without eternal life as hope. Yeah. Right, and, and, and healing. There's this misperception that thinking a lot about heaven will make you no earthly good, right? You're too heavenly minded to be earthly good. No, no, no. Actually, that's what, it's the anchor beyond the pain that gives you the strength to to deal. And you know, we have people come through our missionary house all the time and what do they say? There is so much joy. Mm. So much joy. Yet there wow. is so much sadness. Wow. Right? And as my own experience as a missionary, I think of the days where I, you know, we were accompanying a, a stories. We had a woman and it was the hardest day I've ever had on the streets and we thought she was going to, you know, commit suicide that night. Mm. And it was just this utter realization that there is still hope for her no matter what happens. Mm. As we were on our knees in the chapel praying, knowing that God the Father, a good Father, and Mary our mother loved her and cared for her more than we ever could, mm. right? And that is peace, that is hope, but it, I'm not saying it hurts any less. Yeah. If anything, we, we know our Lord suffered and you know it, it pained Him. Mm. And as it pains our missionaries and this joy and this sorrow, like that is the Christian life and they can coexist praise and God. boys at the fullness of life. Wow. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. So how does a guy like me, who's not a full-time missionary or someone watching, uh, who's not in ministry, maybe he doesn't have a million dollars in the bank like yeah, most of us, yeah. uh, but wants to make a difference or, or their kids are at home and they, they want to expose their kids to hands-on service to the poor, but it's scary. And, and sometimes it should be, right? You, mm -hmm. you, got, you got to use your judgment with the poor like, like anybody. Yeah. Right? It's a one-on-one. It's a -on -one. You could tell. You could tell. I could usually tell by looking at somebody, should I roll the window down? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? And, and use your common sense. We're not going to sit here and tell you not yeah. to do that. You but, know? but how do I make it a regular part of my, my life experience or the upbringing of my kids? Yeah. I think shallow entry points is huge, right? Shallow entry points is huge. And we'll use, because I know... You know, those who tune in are from all over the country. And, yeah. you know, no matter where you live, they're poor in your area, right? Yeah. And most likely you're in a city right now, and that could be someone at a stoplight. But even if that's, you know, someone who is in a small town, there's nursing homes, right? There's those people who need help, who are in need of love, mm -hmm. who are spiritually poor. Mm -hmm. And I would say the first thing I suggest, whether you're talking to someone in a nursing home or talking to someone at a stoplight is, you know, with this premise of, I don't need to fix them, mm. right? Right? They're a person to be encountered, not a problem to be fixed. I always, mm. I like saying that as much as I can to even remind myself. Starting off by just rolling down your window, saying, hey, taking the awkwardness upon yourself, say, you know, my name's Blake, what's your name? 
right? Mm -hmm. That is the first gift you can give mm -hmm. a person in this situation. It seems so small. And then say it back, hi, whatever they say. So, yeah. they, so they hear their name. They hear their name, yeah. right? But that's the first gift. We don't need to start huge here. We don't need you to clear your calendar. We don't, like to begin, it is simple. Everyone can begin. Mm -hmm. And that's how it begins. Just roll down your window, just stop and say hello, introduce yourself. Mm. And after that, take those next steps of seeing them, looking, at the, looking them in the eye. And what we like to talk about, like your kids do, is the care kits or the blessing bags. Saying, I see That's you. Great. It's a hot day, and I thought of you. Here's a water bottle. Right. It's a cold socks. day. I thought of you. Here's some socks and socks hand warmers. Socks are huge, right? It right? gets cold yeah. and wet, and they need socks. Uh, okay, so let's say you're in small town Iowa. There's mm -hmm. literally no homeless people in your town. Yeah. As a small town Nebraska boy, you probably didn't uh, see a homeless guy. In the no, no, right? not at all. But the poor there, right? I use nursing home as an example, but fellow family members, maybe coworkers, right? When people are having a bad day, are we willing and courageous enough? It sounds so. Come on, Blake. It can't be that hard. No, a lot of times we know when we need to say something to someone, or intervene. But it's mm -hmm. it's intimidating, right? So if you're in that small town Iowa, and you know there's a nursing home. Right? We know the elderly are so lonely. Mm. Just stop on by. You don't need anything. Maybe bring a plate of cookies, uh, you know, water bottle, whatever, tea, yeah. whatever, oh, yeah. and just say hi. And I'd say, too, give online. Yes, please. Uh, well, ChristInTheCity.org. Yeah, ChristInTheCity.org. We have an amazing community of monthly supporters as yeah. well as just yearly supporters. And they join in this mission, and we continue providing them materials on how to do this wherever they are. Oh, that's awesome. And like whatever, and however the Lord moves your heart, but here's the thing, do something. Do something. Uh, do something, even if you can afford 10 bucks a month to some organization that serves the poor. And, and there, I love this slightly confusing scripture that make friends for yourself with dishonest wealth so that they will welcome you into heavenly places. Yeah. And I was always a little confused by that. My pastor explained it to me recently that this was, this was from the, the church fathers always interpreted this as Make friends with yourself with your worldly money. Hmm. So you got cash. Give some to the poor so that they will welcome you into their mansion someday. Hmm. You get to heaven. It's the poor who have the mansions. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> right? right? And if it's like, hey, dude, you gave, me, you gave me 10 bucks in the street corner. Come party on my yacht, right? So there's a... Yeah. <laughs> but that was a, a, that's a beautiful way to see that yeah. scripture. Uh, and it doesn't, doesn't even have to take you being a full-time missionary. Though, if God calls you to that, yeah. how do you become a full-time Yeah, completely. Or, or, or summer service projects? Or yeah, we how? have all sorts of ways. So if you want to be a day volunteer, okay. you can just check out our website. We accept day volunteers. We have people come from all and over the country to do this. And you choose safe areas. There, are, oh, un yeah, there yeah. are unsafe areas that have been overrun in our, yep. and we, in our city of Denver, sadly. Our street um, credibility is remarkable. We go to the streets. We yeah. wear our Christ in the City logo and gear. And they we have great reputation. Awesome. And, and we bring you with us. So for a day... If you want to come for a week, we have mission trips for young adults, anyone from 18 to 28. Awesome. Bring them to us. And then if you want to do a summer or a year, on our website, we have this. And it is a remarkable year experience where you are formed mm. to be a missionary for life and you go and serve the poor. Because we want you, after your time at Christ in the City, whether it be one day, maybe just watching this right now, or maybe a year with us. Awesome. We want you to understand and believe your missionary identity for the rest of your life. Do you hear that? If you're called to that, do it. Please. Uh, we, we had a handful that came after my EWTN yes. show with you. Yes. You're right? Oh my goodness. So this will be, we, be the AI EWTN competition. How many missionaries do we get from this bring show? Bring it on. Right? Bring it on. No, yeah, we still get people who 
were so moved by that and they realized what they could do is something. Amen. I've almost met no one who says, I don't want to serve the poor. I've met countless who say, I just don't know where to begin. Praise Come, God. volunteer with us, and we're happy to teach you. Dude, thanks for the witness of hey. your life. There's a certain witness that, um, you know, that you can give in a talk on a stage or in a video. Then there's the witness of your entire life for, for the past, you know, how many years in Christ in the City that speaks volumes about um, the authenticity uh, the, the difference grace makes and and what the presence of Christ in a person propels them to and it's and it's it's beautiful it's attractive to the world it's it uh, and it should be so thanks for being that witness oh happy to and be to here all the Christ and city missionaries yeah. thank you uh, love you guys and to Mark Bauman shout out yeah for starting Christ Mark. In the city yeah okay love you guys thanks for being with us do something something just just do it see you next time Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.